We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah today for a little bit of different uh, look at God's Word today. And um, it really has to do with what Mike was talking about, um, our first as a church discipleship Sunday uh, next, uh, next week, right after the service. Talking about, uh, we mentioned Bible study methods, Bible study techniques, how to study God's Word. And, and in case you're wondering, well, you know, why is that important? What, how has that helped me? in my life. Um, maybe I'll be smarter about how to study the Bible, but what I really want to know deep down is uh, how does it make a difference in my life? And so we're going to talk today about hearing and heeding the Word of God and how the more we know about studying God's Word, the more we know about, if you will, mining the nuggets and the treasure and all that's in God's Word, how it, how it really does impact our life, influence our life, draw us closer to God, deeper in our faith, both as an individual and as a church, the body of Christ. Because you know, each time that we come together as a church, a body of believers, we participate in some very sacred and life-changing things. We fellowship. We have a relationship that's unique to believers in Christ as we support one another, pray for one another, encourage one another in Jesus' name. How we worship how we give our affection and our attention to God together as we come together in this place to, to, to worship Him. How we give of our time, our talents, our tithe, if you will. How we give of ourselves in giving back to God for what He and how He has blessed us. And most of all, we open the holy, powerful, complete Word of God together. And we search His Word together. I like uh, watching our youth. I think they're taking notes on, on, on the sermon here, or, or they're taking notes, I think. And I love that, you know. And uh, you don't want to miss what God's saying to you when we open the Word of God together, because it is a life-changing Word. And so that's why we're going to be talking about how to study the Bible more effectively, and how it can impact and literally change our lives. So I was directed to the book of Jeremiah as I was driving back home yesterday about 5 o'clock in the afternoon in Payson. I learned that Pastor uh, Luke was sick. I'm thinking, okay, now what am I going to preach about? What am I going to say today? And right away, this, this really familiar chapter, chapter 18 in Jeremiah, came to mind for me because I've always loved this so much, but there was something about it that I felt, felt like really spoke to what we're thinking about as a church about learning to study God's Word in a more effective way. And so I went back to Jeremiah 18. And just kind of, here's, here's one thing that we do. You know, there's, there's so many powerful pictures in God's Word, especially in the Old Testament. The Hebrew words themselves are very picturesque, if you will. And so here's a great example of a story that I read about what God was doing in the lives of his people, but it's a very powerful, life-changing picture. So try to imagine what Jeremiah is describing here in chapter 18, verse 1. The word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. And so he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter 
to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. A little bit of background might help us as well. Jeremiah is sometimes known and called the weeping prophet. He was a prophet among the people of God, the people of Israel, during a time in exile. And he wept over his people and their struggles, even their sin, because he knew that uh, they needed some answers. And he was one of the prophets that uh, God spoke through to give his people some answers. Um, I came across a, a verse, uh, not a verse in the Old Testament, where God speaks to his people in exile, just to kind of bring alongside this, where he says, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Do not forget the Lord your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, for in your exile you will be set free. So it wasn't just about God's people being captive. It was about them looking to God not only for comfort, for answers, for hope, for the time that God promised that they would, would be set free. It's interesting in that story how twice, really three times, we have the words and the phrases that talk about the word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah. And it's interesting how it begins there when it says the word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying. And you know, we usually skip over that because we want to get on to what he said. But if we just kind of back up a minute and think about this, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, okay? There must have been something in Jeremiah's mind and heart as to what he believed about the Word of God. Now, the place for you and I to begin, it, with anything that we read or study in the Bible, the Word of God, is to begin with this question and this conviction. Do I believe the Bible to be the Word of God? Do I believe the Word of God to be what it claims to be? The once and for all delivered Word to the saints the Word of God complete, not to be added to, not to be taken away from. It is literally and in every way God's Word to us. If I don't begin there, then I'm, I'm going to be compromising God's Word. If I believe there are other writings or other things that I can add to it that maybe are just as good or inspired, then I'm making it really a big mistake because God is the kind of God, when He gives us His Word, it's going to be His Word. And it's going to be true. It's going to be unbreakable. And it is, of course, the word that has stood the, the centuries of time. There's never been a, a book more scrutinized and criticized than the Bible, but yet it still remains the bestseller in all the world because it is, in every way, the Word of God. So how was it that the prophets, and you see this throughout the Old Testament and many other places in the Bible, where the Word of the Lord came to a follower of God, a follower of Jesus, and they knew instantly that it was the word of the Lord. They knew right away, it wasn't just a nice thought, God is speaking to me, and I had better listen. And so I asked myself the question, how did they do that? 
How, why was it, it looks easy, I know it's hard in our world with all the different voices that we hear, but what is it about our lives that needs to be in place that when the, God speaks, when he gives us a word, we know it's his word and we listen and we know what we need to do. Here's an easy way to begin. Let's think about playing the radio, okay? I imagine myself, but you know, when I first got a car, or when I was a, you know, a little boy uh, growing up on, a, on our little ranch that we had, and, and uh, I, would, I would find a corner in our big long porch where I could get my little transistor radio and I could just adjust it just right where I could get KOMA on the radio. You remember KOMA? Nobody does? Oklahoma City. I could get Oklahoma City from Clifton, Arizona. And if I was just in the right place, holding it just the right way. And so obviously, to get the station we want when we're playing our radio, it's a little different now with our modern cars because we have the memory and the, you know, and the push, but still the same thing. The receiver has to be in the right position to receive the transmission, right? Well, we have a receiver in our hearts and our lives, and our lives and our receiver and our heart need to what? Be in the right position to receive the holy, powerful transmission from the Word of God. Now, if it's just a little bit off, what happens? Not going to come through, is it? Or not going to come through very good at all. Well, what happens in my life when I'm a follower of God, I'm a believer in Christ, and I, I'm trying to walk with him, but I'm just a little bit off in that I still do some things that I know aren't pleasing to God. I still let some things interfere in my relationship to God. And I, and I think to myself, well, you know, that's just kind of a small thing. But the receiver gets off just enough to not really hear the word that God is trying to give me. What's the other thing that can cause me a problem in receiving the transmission on my radio? If it's not in the right position, but also if what? If I'm too, what? Too far away, all right? And when I'm too far away, I usually get what? Not only static, sometimes because I travel a lot, I, I get another station bleeding in on the one I'm trying to listen to. Because I'm too far away. Now that's a, a very simple illustration, but I, th I think it says something about our lives and our hearts and our minds being in the right position to receive the holy, perfect transmission from God's Word. To make sure that we're not fooling ourselves and just being a little bit out of relationship. And to be sure we're not too far away. Where we can't hear or other messages bleed into what we're trying to hear from God. So we need to be in the right position. Jesus said it this way, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. How's the rest of it go? And the truth will set you free. The book of James talks about the word of God being planted, and that word is sometimes translated implanted. The word of God being implanted in my life, not just on my shelf, not just the plaque or poster that has a good Bible verse, but the very Word of God implanted in my life. And when that happens, when I have a question, what is the first thing I'm going to think about if it's implanted? What does the Word of God say? 
The first thing I'm going to listen to, what is God saying to me in the midst of this situation, this decision? How is God speaking to me through his word? I love a little praise song I learned a long time ago. It goes like this, O God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning and learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. So let's go back to the picture that Jeremiah is painting for us, that God is painting for us in, in his word, about what happened to him that day. And one of, one of the things I try to do, try to remember to do and love to do is just, just look at sometimes every single word in a verse or every single word in a picture that's being painted for me to see what it is that God is trying to show me. So the very first thing that God says to Jeremiah is what? Arise. Get up. I don't know if he was sleeping in late that day or maybe he was just not really thinking too much about the day. I'm sure he had a lot of things on his mind. And God didn't come to him with a bolt of, of lightning. God didn't thunder the answer from heaven, did he? He could do all that and he does sometimes do that. But he simply said, Jeremiah, arise. And then he said to him, go down. Go down to a place you pass every day. Go down to the potter's house. Doesn't say he said, well, God, why do you want me to do that? I go down there every day. I go by him every day. What's the big deal? No. He heard God say, arise, go down. Listen, watch, hear, and be changed. That tells me that there are a lot of times in, in our lives where God is simply speaking to us in a very calm way, but in a very personal and powerful way. He's saying, get up from where you are. Get out of your situation. Get out of where you're, what you're thinking and what you're doing. And go down. Go where I'm calling you to go. And it may be a very simple place. But in my heart, somehow I feel like God wants me to go to this place, either in my mind or heart or geographically, physically. And God has called me to listen and watch at what he is trying to show me. And in that, to hear his words. And in that experience, to be changed. And I guess what we're saying is that when it comes to the word of God and gleaning out so much truth from God's word, sometimes it's so simple that we miss it. Because God is such a, a loving, intimate God, and there are powerful, life-changing things he's showing us, maybe in the most simple way. And when we are in the Word of God, and the Word of God is implanted to us, this is how we will hear God speaking. I need to get up. I need to go there. I need to listen. I need to watch and see what it is that God is trying to show me. And don't miss those simple ways and those simple places that God is speaking to us. If you ever want to just find a part of the Bible that speaks over and over about the Word of God, is Psalm 119. It's a, it's a, it's a what do you call it when it, the alphabet, you know, every letter of the alphabet uh, that the writer goes through. And every part of Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God, a different aspect, a different facet of the Word of God. So I love one, Psalm 119. In one of those verses it says, Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in them. 
Talk about another way to hear the Word of God, for the Word of God to be implanted in our hearts. It's when the Word of God becomes our delight. You remember David's words in Psalm 1, Blessed is a man who does not walk on the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, nor stand in the path of sinners. But, but his delight, it says, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. You see, the deeper I get into God's Word, the more I learn how to study and, and the more I'm equipped in, in getting the most out of God's Word, it begins to become my delight. And when you think about it, it, it is the things that you delight in the most that you think about all day long, right? Maybe I delight in my family, delight in my children, and I'm, I just find myself thinking about the people and the things that I delight in. When I delight in the Word of God, truly delight in His Word, it comes back to me in so many ways that make a difference in so many areas of my life. So if I were, if I were to ask you, if we were to ask ourselves today, how is the Word of the Lord coming to you? And in what areas of your life is God speaking to you from His Word? How is God speaking to me, the word of the Lord speaking to me about my life? My whole life, how I live, where I'm going, what I'm thinking, what's important to me. How is the word of God speaking to me about those things? How is the word of the Lord speaking to me about my marriage? How is the word of the Lord speaking to me about my work? How, the, how is the, the word of the Lord speaking to me about my giving? How I need truly to give back to the Lord for how he has blessed me. How is the word of the Lord speaking to me in all those different areas of my life? I think that's the question we want to ask. Not what is, because if we don't, then it's going to be about what is the world telling me? What is the news telling me? What are other people telling me? I want to know, like Jeremiah, what is the word of the Lord telling me? Did you notice it came in that story twice? First, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. Then when he went, and then when God told him what he, was, what he wanted him to see, he said, And the word of the Lord came to me again. And, and so that was the kind of relationship that Jeremiah had that I want to have in my life as well. So let's look closely then and intently at this Old Testament story about the word of the Lord. And the picture that is described and painted for us there about the potter and the clay. So Jeremiah went down to the potter's house. And he noticed that the potter was making something on the wheel. He says, but the, the vessel, he, um, he was making something on the wheel that he had the clay on. And that's another part of the word of the Lord that we don't want to miss. The potter was making something on the wheel. You know, God is always making, creating something new in my life. I believe in our church. I believe in our world. It's kind of hard to see it sometimes. But he is the God that loves to make new things. What's the verse from 2 Corinthians 5? It says, therefore, if any man is what? In Christ. He is a what? A new creature. He's made and molded into a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God is a potter 
who loves making new things. So Jeremiah looked perhaps for the first time at actually what the potter was making on the wheel. But then it says what? The vessel that the potter was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. This is really interesting to think about. And, and I go back to one of my, my youth camps long ago where an actual potter came to our service and did exactly this on the wheel in the old-fashioned way, just like in Jeremiah. And I learned that uh, the potter takes a lump of clay, he begins to mold it into the vessel he wants it to be, and sometimes the lump becomes spoiled, recall it, in the hand of the potter. And why? Well, if there was a little rock or even a little piece of wood, and it usually would not happen until the potter got down to the fine molding process where that defect became more obvious, and if he didn't take it out, stop and take it out, it went splat. And it reminds us of how the Lord God is molding our lives, right? From day to day. We are in his hands. Jesus says that we are in his hands and no one can pluck us out of his hand. He's, he's, he has us. He's molding us. And sometimes it doesn't happen until the finer molding process that God is doing where a defect comes out. Something in my life that I haven't turned over to God. I'm still trying to keep it in that lump of clay, hoping that, you know, maybe it's deep enough in the lump that God won't notice. And that's why sometimes Satan tries to deceive us, I think, in that we're growing as a Christian, and the next thing you know, we see something, God shows us something that we need to get rid of. And the evil one says, look at that. What kind of Christian are you? You've been going to church, and you've been trying to follow God, and you're growing, and here, here's this thing that in your life that you, that you haven't allowed God to take out. Well, there's a reason for that. Because maybe in, in our earlier Christian life, we weren't quite ready to deal with that. And now we've grown. Now we're maturing. Now, now we have more of a heart to be pure and before God to be all that he's called us to be. And God says, okay, here it is. Here's what you can take out. Here's what I can take out for you. Here's, what, here's what's keeping you from going forward in your Christian growth. And so I give that over to God. And he does what the potter does. Puts me back on the wheel. And keeps molding and shaping some more. The tragedy is that, and this, I'll just kind of apply it real quick to both individually and as a church. The tragedy is that sometimes individually in our lives, our lives are the result of molding, spoiling, molding, spoiling, molding, spoiling, over and over again. Because when it comes down to some of those more intimate things in our life that we don't want to give up, they continue to spoil us from becoming more, more mature and more changed in the Lord Jesus. The tragedy is that for a lot of churches, their history, and I've worked with so many churches as a missionary, and this is sad, that their history is one of shaping, molding, spoiling, Shaping, molding, spoiling 
over and over again. Because they come to a place as a, as, as a church, as a people of God, where God is showing them the way. God is showing them the things that give up. God is showing them the things that do that will take them to the next level, if you will. And they're not willing to go there. And so there's a spoiling and then a remolding. But aren't you glad that God is that kind of God? Because in the potter's house, you're not going to see a big pile of discarded clay. You're going to see a pile of discarded pieces of wood and rock and all that. But you're not going to see a pile of discarded clay. Aren't you glad that when I, when I experience that spoiling, if you will, in my life, and God, aren't you glad that God starts over again? He says, okay, I'm just going to keep working on you. Okay, like that little saying, I'm not perfect. God's still working on me. And he is. And he begins to remold patiently and lovingly into the vessel that he wants me to be. Um, I remember too, uh, I mentioned about youth camp. When the potter came, he did something very interesting. He had his clay and he was molding it, you know, just, it was just really neat to see his hands shape that and mold it into a beautiful vessel from an ugly lump of clay. So he showed how it became spoiled. And then he took a small lump of black clay, about this big, and he put it deep in that big lump where you couldn't see it anymore. And you would not know that it was even there if you hadn't seen him put it there. And so he starts molding again, and the vessel starts taking shape. And sure enough, just when it got to the fine molding process, that black lump of clay did this and wrapped itself completely around the vessel. And he explained, that's what sin can do in my life. I try to bury it deep, but then again, as God gets down to that fine molding process, not only does it come out, find a way to come out, but it can actually encircle and encamp and take captive my life because I've allowed it to remain. And then it says, finally, so he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Romans 9 verse 21 says, does not the potter have a right over the clay? to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use. You see, for you and I, it really comes down to the sovereignty and the will of God. God's going to do what he pleases to do. Not what pleases me, not what pleases someone else. The greatest gift, the greatest miracle and blessing for my life is allowing my life in God's hands to become all that he pleases it to be. I heard a long time ago someone told me there's no better place, there's no more successful life than the one who is in the center of God, who knows this, the God's will and is in his will. And so if I'll allow my life to be a life that pleases the potter to make, it's going to be a wonderful life. And then it says again, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, the word of the Lord came again. Jeremiah heard it. And here's what he said. Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as the potter does? Behold, like clay of the potter's hand, 
so are you in my hand. Isn't that powerful? God gives Jeremiah this picture for his life and for his people. And he just simply asks him the question, Jeremiah, can I not do for you and for the house of Israel what this potter did for the clay? And that's the question that gets right to our heart, doesn't it? As I read the Word of God, as I study the Word of God, as I read about miracles, as I read all these credible power stories in the New Testament, do I hear the question that the heavenly potter is asking? Can I not do the same thing for you? Can I not give you victory the same way? Can I not heal and, and work and, and give you triumph over this situation of your life? like described in my word, can I not do the same thing for you? And I don't know about you, but that's, that's, I think, a question that I forget to hear, forget to ask. What God does in his word, he can do for me. It may not be exactly the same will or the same miracle or whatever, but, but God is always asking me, can't I do the same thing for you? Because I'm a great and awesome God. I do what pleases me. I, there's nothing I cannot do. So what can I do for you? And how do you need to trust me?